God in that final scene, he looks like he's wearing a fake body. It's so <laughs> chiseled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. You're playing each piece like losing it hurts. This ain't checkers. You want my king. You got to come get my king. All these other pieces are just a means to do it. Hello, everybody. This is Rectopia, episode six. And uh, JC's already asking, did the cats unplug Jeremy's Wi-Fi again? I'm c- I can confirm that, that yes, they did. <laughs> they, they, un- they unplugged the Wi-Fi. Uh, uh, I, you know, uh, I, I'm definitely not ready. I just got here. Just, just got here. Uh, I thought this was pushed back for some reason, and 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 then Jeremy was like, "Hey, dude, uh, podcast today." Like, yeah, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, understood. Anyway, uh, our big recommend today will be Fresh, yeah. the 1994 film, not the coincidentally released 2022 film that came out like right after we announced that <laughs> we announced we were going to do fresh right um so yeah i don't know this is uh, the uh, 1994 boaz yakin movie that came out but uh before we go into that let's do our small recommends and i'd like to hey shout out the chat everybody's uh i hope everybody's well hope everybody's doing well hey everybody it's no big deal it's so small and light it's small it's tiny it's petite it's wee. Uh, small recommends. I'm going to kick it off because I don't know if you wanted to go first, but I am way go too excited it. about mm-hmm. my, my first small recommend. I tweeted about it. Uh, it's a brand new movie on HBO Max called The Fallout. Mm. Um, this is this. a first time writer director, Megan Park, who has mostly been an actress. Um, I looked through her filmography and did not recognize anything that I would have seen. Um, but she's... Looks like she's on the Mondays. Looks like she was in uh, The Secret Life of the American Teenager for five years. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This movie is full of trigger warnings. I need to tell you, every one of you up front, this is about a school shooting um, and the aftermath for a specific couple of teens who survive it and uh, their families. And there are several things about this that I want to praise. I'll try and be brief because these are the small recommends. It's just really powerful. Uh, mm. It's very well acted. The star is Jenna Ortega. Yeah, she's in a lot of stuff lately, I think. Like, she's a brand new, up and coming. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, her co star is Maddie Ziegler. Um, no, yeah. Who I believe was in West Side she's Story. The, um... No, it is her. She played Velma. I don't really want to reveal too much plot. Um, there is some drug use, there's some alcohol. Um, there's some experimentation with sexual stuff. Uh, not that stuff isn't R rated. There's plenty of R rated language. Julie Bowen plays the mother. Mm. Uh, everyone's great. Everyone's great in this. Her family, her parents know that she's going through something they don't understand and they have no idea how to help her. Her little sister is clueless and does Mm -hmm. not 
realize her big sister just had a trauma. And she goes to therapy. There's so much good mental health representation in here. Uh, she has panic attacks that are really well represented. Uh, she grows through therapy. Uh, her therapist is Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend. Oh, oh. Shailene Woodley, um, who's great. Although, are they, I don't even know if they're together anymore. I don't think so. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't actually care. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do. <laughs> the mental health representation is really, really powerful. And it's it's a heavy movie. It's probably not going to be the kind of movie that you get done with and go, I feel so happy. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this movie is trying to make you understand, if you do not, how much trauma even survivors of school shootings have to endure. Uh, mm -hmm. I never had to endure anything like that. I never had to do any uh, school shooter drills. And this movie opened my eyes a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But it's really well made, really powerful. HBO Max, The Fallout, uh, two thumbs up, recommend to everyone. So I imagine the uh, the actual shooting is, they don't spend that much time on that. That's probably a big part of it, but it's, it's mostly... The school shooting itself is all off screen, mm -hmm. but it lasts about... 90 seconds and you're in the bathroom with three characters hiding. Oh, um, wow. So it's not easy, but you also don't have to see the visual, uh, of it. Um, and that's the very, that's basically one of the very first things that happens. And then the movie is more about how that changes everybody. So, yeah, there was a, uh, Gus Van Sant movie called elephant, uh, yes. many years ago that, uh, was all the buildup to a school shooting, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we've ever, uh, I don't think I've ever seen one exploring what happens to people after, uh, one in, and having to deal with the psychological effects of that. So yeah, I want to watch that for sure. Um, there's, uh, uh, we, we briefly mentioned this show uh, a few episodes ago on, uh, uh, Apple, uh, TV called Severance, um, mm. that I saw, saw, I had just seen uh, ads for i believe the morning of that uh that recording and i was like that looks pretty good and so far it's in the four episodes and i really love this show really awesome this is ben stiller right ben stiller is uh has is behind it yeah uh okay. his uh, production company uh, uh, red hour or whatever is uh is there he's directed uh, i think the first two or three episodes of it but it's it, it right now it, it's got that you know, it's one of those shows that I don't know, you know, if it gets several seasons, is it going to be as good as what we're seeing right now? It does have that element of lost to it where you're just kind of, man, I love all this building of the mythology and all the weird questions and all the stuff that's going on. And then once they start explaining things, am I going to start going, I don't know if I like this, but I love that initial ride of these shows anyway. And mm. Adam Scott, sort of the main character of this, he works in this uh, department of a really just the the it's a large building, but it's a large maze like building where you don't run into any other departments or any other people really. And you see him at the very beginning get off an elevator and he walks through this labyrinthian <laughs> empty hallway, long hallway, get in, and you know, just going through all this stuff to get to his 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 place. He is in a room, a huge room, but with four computers all in the center of the room, and him and it's three other people. And they're all doing something with these numbers on the monitors and they have to, they have to figure out like what the right numbers are. And then 
they don't know what they're doing. They, they just know if they're succeeding or not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they know if they're doing well. They just don't know what the result of them doing these numbers is. And uh, it ha- severance refers to uh, the, the aspect that every time they go to work, they're, they're uh, something, uh, there's a chip in their head that gets uh, switched, basically, where their whole outside life is has it now disappears from them and they only know the inside mm. of the building when they're inside work when they're done with work the chip switches switches them back to the outside world so basically there's a version of them that's trapped inside this office building they, they sh- they've shown uh how it must be like to be an any or an audi is what they call they call their they call their out people their people outside the world audis and their innies or you know when they're inside the world you can show them like they 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 go through the elevator and the next time that they're aware of anything they're back in the back in the office so they're basically trapped in this thing audis are basically trapped outside or whatever and there's a character in there um what is her name is it heli i think it's heli uh, who has just joined this this group and uh, she doesn't like it at all. She just absolutely has absolutely no no interest in staying there. Uh, she she actually asked to get out of here and then she actually gets tries to get a transfer or not a transfer, but just leave. And when she tries to leave, her Audi is telling her she can't leave. Hmm. And and so hmm. there's a, there's there's a lot of like interesting dynamics in this. Hmm. There's a million different other things about this show. I don't want to, because this is a small recommend, I don't want to go too far into it. But uh, Christopher Walken is in this, John Turturro. I uh, don't know the guy's name, but he's in the um, he's in Shang Chi. He's on the bus. He does he does those video he does the video okay. stuff on the bus. He's been yeah. in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's in that. Um, uh, Patricia Arquette is in this and uh, it's a really really interesting show uh with with a lot of you know you have a lot of questions and you have a lot of debates as Mm. to whether this is something that you know is ethical or moral or anything like that that people should be able should have to go through and of course you see on the outside there are people who are railing against the very idea of severance and Mm. uh we don't know what this company even does that's what's so scary about it and they have a very religious uh kind of um backstory to them they're they, they're uh, cultish almost but uh you have intrigued me yeah i uh highly 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 recommend it so far like i said it's only been four episodes so it could end up being you know uh disappointment by the end of it but so far the four episodes i've seen have been great well that's awesome uh my uh second recommend as i write severance on my to-do list uh, is a 2010 film that I never got around to seeing until a few months back uh, called Never Let Me Go. Ah, yes. Um, this one, um, I worry about spoiling too much. It is a 12-year-old movie, but half of what's interesting about this is a, a thing that you learn about halfway through the movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that changes everything. And I don't want to tell you what that is because I don't want to rob you of that. But I will yeah. say it's Andrew Garfield, Carrie Mulligan, and Kira Knightley uh, as three kids in an English boarding school that have a bit of a friendship triangle romance thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will tell you that this is both, this is a genre bending film. It's kind of drama, romance, and sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, but this is the last thing I'll tell you about this movie. Uh, it was written by Alex Garland, 
yep. who made uh, Annihilation and who made the movie before Annihilation. <laughs> Ex Machina. Ex Machina. <laughs> and who, who wrote and largely directed Dread. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that's really all I want to say. It's R-rated. Uh, it's fantastic. It's really intriguing premise uh, that sort of gives you a, a new way to look at coming of age you know, romance complications. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, there are, there are, without spoiling, there are movies out there that cover this. Mm-hmm. But you know what it is when when it uh, from the get go from the get go. This one is sort of like okay, this is nice drama, and there's some some you know some cool things here and there, and then and then then it drops a hammer on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, that's a really good movie. I haven't seen that in a while. It used to be on all the time. I used to watch this movie. Oh man, really... I hope they bring it back and run it a lot. I would watch it frequently. Um, now I'm gonna have to debate on what my next small. I... Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Alfred Hitchcock uh, Rebecca, 1940. Uh, this was his first movie in the states, I believe. Um, he, uh, got together with the mega producer, David, David O. Selznick, who was, uh, gone, uh, fresh off of, well, still doing Gone with the Wind at the time that, uh, uh, they produced this is based on a novel. It is, uh, it is about, um, a man, Lawrence Olivier, who, uh, meets this woman played by Joan Fontaine. They, uh, get married fairly quickly. He is a widow, widower, and, uh, he is still obviously really upset, uh, about his wife's death. And, uh, so he marries this woman who's not a society woman at all, doesn't know how to act really, doesn't know what the proper, how to be the lady of the house and everything. When she gets introduced into, this huge mansion called Manderley, which, by the way, this movie has a lot of uh, influence on Citizen Kane in mm. the following year. He has a, um, you know, she comes in and like all the people who used to work with the first uh, Lady De Winter um, really loved her, really loved her. And especially the, uh, I don't know if you would call her the head maid or whatever, or the whoever runs the house or whatever really really loved her and 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 really kind of give her give joan fontaine the cold shoulder and everything then questions start coming up as to whether his wife died uh under natural circumstances and this is a movie that you will obviously i don't want to spoil uh at all um it's one of these movies where you're like okay you don't even know anything maybe sinister at all going on for the for a while into this movie and then finally there's a there's a question you know, maybe maybe she didn't die maybe she didn't die like he like this guy says she did mm. and so now uh his wife is curious and of course there's uh, a lot of questions up in the air as to what happened but uh this is uh you don't hear this movie a lot uh, when it comes to Hitchcock. Uh, I, I don't, you know, a lot of a lot of his later stuff, like North by Northwest and Psycho, and and uh, uh, those are the ones that always get the play. But this movie, <coughs> this movie actually won Best Picture in 1940. Um, Hitchcock did not win Best Director. It went to John Ford for Grapes of Wrath. But uh, this movie is something that sneaks up on you at first you're you know i mean the title seems you know the title's like really boring rebecca you know who cares uh (laughs) but the movie itself is is pure 
great Hitchcock if you've never seen it. So hmm. um, I highly recommend this uh, uh, this movie for sure, and especially if you're trying to you know trying to get more Hitchcock under your belt, and you should. I am, I should, and I have not seen this, so it's going on the list. I especially mm-hmm. love the Citizen Kane connection. Uh, There's a lot intrigues me it, greatly. It's surprising because you, you when you know when you hear about Citizen Kane, everybody sort of says this is the movie that did all. I mean, obviously there were a lot of techniques that that were involved and that were invented in Citizen Kane, but there are some things in Rebecca uh, that were done before Citizen Kane. So um, it's uh, I think Orson Welles has uh, cited this movie as a as an influence. So hmm. um, uh, and uh, so yeah, very very good. I would uh, highly recommend. All right. And now it's time for the big recommend. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about better help. Better help. Listen, one of the things people go to therapy for most commonly is anxiety. But a lot of aspects of therapy can cause anxiety. For instance, you're in a new place. There are strangers in the waiting room. You're talking to, at the beginning, a stranger, somebody you don't know. It can be an uncomfortable experience. And so better help takes away all that kind of anxiety right out of the gate by giving you the power to decide how and when you want to do therapy. If you don't feel like you look very well, you don't have to do video chat, but video chat is there for you. You can do a phone call instead. You could do text. You could do it over email. The flexibility of BetterHelp is making therapy available to millions more people who would probably not take the plunge if therapy were only in person. Um... And right now, if you go to BetterHelp.com slash Recotopia, our listeners can get 10% off their first month with the code Recotopia. It's just a few questions that you answer, and then you'll be matched with a licensed professional therapist, typically in your area. A few sessions go on, and you're not quite gelling. It make it super easy to change therapists. They've got thousands and thousands of them on staff, because you do need to click with your therapist. And then once you find that relationship... You can, from the comfort of your own home, in your pajamas, start finding the tools to help improve your mental health. So again, go to betterhelp.com slash Recotopia, enter the code Recotopia, and get 10% off your first month. I encourage you to do it today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I've noticed. And this week, we have 1994's Fresh. Yep. Co-starring, probably most prominently, that man right there, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, Mm. As an overview, for those of you who are listening but haven't had a chance to see it, Fresh stars a middle-grade aged character named Michael. His nickname is Fresh. Who who starts the movie in ridiculously stacked odds against him circumstances? He's living in a foster type situation with eleven other siblings. His dad he only sees when he plays chess in the park because he's not actually supposed to see him, and he's running drugs. He's running drugs and money um, for ultimately at the top of the chain, Giancarlo Esposito, whose character is Esteban. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes to school. And he gets picked on because he's got lighter spots of skin. All throughout the movie, people are picking on him for this mm-hmm. uh, on his forehead. And from there, everything just piles on. That's sort of your, your run-up uh, to this film. But the, the first thing I wanted to say is that on my rewatch yesterday for, for this podcast, the first thing I noticed is this movie opens with a literal crossroads. Mm-hmm. And then slowly builds in... His Brooklyn neighborhood, you know, piece by piece, building by building. So we get a good sense of where we are. But it literally opens with the crossroads, which is where Fresh finds himself, you know, about halfway through this movie. On this rewatch, I found that I love this movie even more. Mm -hmm. Um, There were pieces of camera work that I don't think I had ever picked up on before, like that opening shot. But uh, let's hear what your overall impressions were um, this time around. Yeah, I um, I had seen this movie, I don't know, probably three or four years ago for the first time. Uh, I believe I worked at a movie theater that had this, but I never saw it. So watching this the second time, uh, I I did pick up on a lot more stuff this time, and I enjoyed it a lot more as well um you know you alluded to this when you brought this movie up uh last week uh this whole thing is a is you know there's a there's a literal chess Mm. uh stuff going on in here where uh he's learning from his father um i don't know what happened in the his his regular family life but he's living with his grandparents now his aunt his aunt that's right his aunt yeah and um his aunt also has t- taken in 10 other kids and uh it's like a crowded really small apartment and uh, every time he comes home they all look at him like you know look at this motherfucker basically and um and he doesn't understand but i mean he's a he's a drug dealer and yeah. they're afraid for their lives when he comes home and that's what he doesn't understand um but but you, but there's literal chess that he's learning from his father but then 
there's a and especially a, uh, and a, there's a special moment when he's when uh, they're playing where he says you're too afraid to sacrifice your queen and you're too afraid to do this and you're mm. too afraid to do that and then he realizes you know what all this stuff that's happened in front of me I can I can really I can use all of these people to get to where I want which. I will save what what he really wants for people who haven't seen it, but it's interesting trying to figure out who represents what chess piece in the in the in what he's doing in real life. Uh, there there's an obvious pawn in here. There's an mm-hmm. obvious queen. There's an obvious king. Um, you you might say there's probably a couple of. Uh, uh, knights that are that are uh, obvious. I don't know if there are any bishops in here, mm. but it's really interesting to see all this and how he's figured this out and how he understands that people are going to underestimate a kid no matter how smart he is. Yeah, he plays that to his advantage the entire movie long. This movie is like Shakespeare. Everyone is so primed to believe the worst in everyone else that Fresh just lies his way through everyone and people keep believing it. Mm -hmm. And the character is an incredible actor. Like, Mm -hmm. opening scene, he goes up to that place where there's five women packing drugs and one guy trying to be a hard ass and he says, I'll fuck your shit up. And he just walks Mm -hmm. right over to him and goes, fuck my shit up. Mm -hmm. Say one more (laughs) word about my sister, bitch. And he's like five years younger than this guy. But he carries himself you know, 10 years older than he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are two key scenes that drive his decision to chess his way out of his life situation. And the first is that shooting on the basketball court, mm-hmm. which is it slightly telegraphed, Yeah, but, you know, only because movies exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's that double gut punch of that second victim that you don't know about until everyone has fled that only fresh knew until that moment. Mm-hmm. But then I think the real turning point is that dog fight. Yeah, it is. And there are two reasons. I think, I think he sees the sweet dog that he loves being turned into a killer mm-hmm. and seeing his own life, maybe playing out in that direction. But I think he also sees that because the other dog was such a hard ass and went out like a chump. I think he sees the difference between true strength and pretend strength. Yeah. But I think he decides right then and there, I'm not going to be turned into a killer. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to turn into the, the violent dog. Um, and that is when I think he starts moving the pieces on his board to allow him to hopefully escape. Yeah, and and though his initial um, moves in this are shocking, yeah. um, again, we'll we'll not you know uh, spoil, but his initial moves in this are shocking because you think of you think of uh, the relationships in this movie. You're like, oh, he would never do this, or he would never do that, or whatever, and um, and uh, and this guy is is prepared because he realizes that the life that he's headed towards is not worth, uh, any of the things that he could, I mean, there he's, he's looking right now. He's looking to be a big wheel in this, uh, Esteban operation. He want he's uh, probably the youngest ever who's ever, who's ever, uh, risen in the ranks 
in this in this thing because right now all he does is he waits for the car and then he nods to a few people and then the drugs get come out yeah. and everything by the way uh cameo from lawrence bender in this yes. uh from uh, pulp fiction who once again plays long hair yuppie scum which he did in pulp fiction <laughs> in the diner scene uh bender produced both of these both oh. fresh and pulp fiction Interesting. um so uh so that was a little interesting uh thing that they threw in there but <laughs> this movie does not get talked about enough Mm-mm. i don't understand how this movie slipped through the cracks of discussion 94 was a really great year obviously mm. um but this is one of those that i'm surprised uh just it just didn't get the the same the same staying power um uh, of a lot of it because because this is a brilliant this is a brilliantly plotted movie yeah yeah i uh a few notes i wanted to make sure I, I, we got to talk about I, I i like the dichotomy between how his dad and esteban talk about time um because his dad when they're playing chess basically says time has no you know time can't have a value placed on it it's more valuable than money money ain't shit and then Esteban literally says later, time is money and money is time. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this character is he ultimately does not take any one person's advice. He carves out his own path um, using what I think he has learned and picked up from both of those men. I also, this is dumb, but I wrote down Giancarlo Esposito, abs of fucking iron. Mm-hmm. Like, my God, in that final scene, he looks like he's wearing a fake body. It's so chiseled. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I also think there's a lot of great dialogue in this film. In addition to the plotting, um, there's this line when he's trying to, he's talking to his sister about how much, you know, your aunt loves you. You can go stay with her. And she says, she's a saint. She loves a stray dog as much as she loves me. Ain't no shit to be loved by a fucking saint. Yeah, and I thought it's oh, such God. absolute truth being <laughs> thrown out there. Yeah, like what a perspective. And the, the the last thing, and we can keep talking if you have other notes, but the only other thing I definitely wanted to point out is when that final final scene, he goes mm-hmm. back to play chess with his father. His father starts in on him. Now, don't be wasting my time today. I don't have any time for fish cakes today. Blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. Let's play some real chess. And he looks up, and Fresh has his eyes are welled up with tears. Mm-hmm. And then a single tear comes down both cheeks mm-hmm. and cuts back to his dad. And his dad has nothing. He has mm-hmm. nothing to offer at mm-hmm. all. He slumps in and moves a chess piece and we go to credits. Like he can, he's a terrible father. He's yeah. an excellent chess teacher, but he's, he sees his kid broken and he, he just goes right back into chess. And it's such a depressing, you know, the outlook for fresh is probably better than his current mood suggests, but God, what a failure of parenting right there mm-hmm. in that moment. Oh, yeah. Broke my heart. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's kind of hard to believe that Sean Nelson didn't, we, I mean, we, he still acts today. It's not he like he, it's not like he, he fell off the face of the map or anything, but I'm really shocked that guy didn't like have a breakthrough where we just know his name. That's actor Sean Nelson, who, you know, has won at least one Oscar or been nominated <laughs> for something, you know. Um, so uh, I'm I'm really surprised by that. Giancarlo Esposito, by the way, 
he 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 rose to popularity with Breaking Bad, obviously. Mm-hmm. But man, he had so many good performances back in this day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Do the right thing was his probably his big breakthrough. This and uh, the Usual Suspects, of course, he was in mm-hmm. that. Giancarlo Esposito has always been doing some great work, and this is one of his. This is both terrifying, and you're gonna be you're gonna be kind of. Um, icked out by him and you're going to be you know you you see you see why people follow him mm-hmm. but but he's just he's a he's just full of ick man and that scene when fresh walks in and sees him like completely naked lying next to his sister yeah that that's just gonna fill you with all that just so he's such a nasty person oh my god yeah yeah and it's a it's a double icky in a way, because Fresh encouraged her to to leave the other dude and go to, you know, Giancarlo's character. He he knew what was going to happen. He'd already Giancarlo had already said, "Hey, your sister, mm-hmm. she's pretty hot, man. Why, why don't you tell her to come be my concubine?" And he does. He encourages her to, and, and so he kind of helped cause the situation. It's so icky. It's so icky. I don't know uh, who plays his uh, best friend in this, and I can't remember no. the best friend's name right now, but uh, that guy is awesome in this. I mean, he's his character is uh, fucking annoying, but yes. but it's so funny. He, he, like, yeah, he, he his name's Chucky. Yeah. That's, that's uh, Luis Lantigua yes. uh, who plays that. And... <laughs> He's always saying, "I'm gonna be busting all them moves. I'm gonna be busting all them moves." And like, and, and like, everybody's like, "What the fuck are you even talking about?" And he just, "I'm just gonna be busting them moves, man." <laughs> I got the and, stupid uh, moves. <laughs> yeah, busting the stupid moves. And he just never. I mean, he never shuts up. Uh-huh. Never shuts uh-huh. up. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, this movie. God, why is this? Why do we not talk about this movie today? It's got a 7.5 on the IMDb, so everybody mm-hmm. who watches it seems to like it. Mm-hmm. And I remember it had good reviews when it came out. And uh, God, we just don't talk about this movie enough. So I'm no. glad that we're we're devoting an episode to this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an 88 on Rotten Tomatoes, so even the critics um, seem to seem to support it. Um, but yeah, just fantastic. I, I do have a question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he goes to Sam Jackson's trailer, which is a great scene, by the way, especially the end when he basically says, I don't have to listen to you. I'm, I'm not even seeing you right now. Mm, um, yeah. Sam Jackson has like five chessboards set up in his trailer mm-hmm. and tells the kid who a couple of the people are that he's playing these games with. And one is a grandmaster. And Fresh looks impressed. And Sam ja- says... Yeah, he doesn't go to the park, but he comes here to play with me. Do we believe him? Yeah, it uh, leaves you leaves you wondering, right? Because because he's good. He's clearly good enough at chess that that's theoretically possible. But because we see Fresh destroy a shark, and then we find out later he's only this is the first time he's even checked his father. He's never beaten his father. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it feels a little like bragging, like mm-hmm. that. And maybe he it's real and he's bragging. But I, I wondered when I was watching it this time, is he just bullshitting? It could be. I, I don't know why you would just have that randomly there in your trailer just in case somebody comes by so that you can tell them that it's a grandmaster. I mean, it's also possible that, and we don't know one way or the other uh, whether this is true or not, but I mean, it could always be somebody who was coming up and coming and, and was 
playing him early before he was even, you know, uh, a grandmaster. That's true. And, um, you know, the very fact that, the, you know, it could be, it could be another half truth there too, where that was a board that they were playing and then he, and that, that dude left and he's never come back since. Mm. And now he's a grandmaster and, and now he just tells people, yeah, that's that guy. That's that grandmaster or whatever. So. Cause listen, I, if I were a grandmaster, I would definitely want to play against great players, but I would not go anywhere near that trailer, no matter mm-hmm. how, good, how good that guy was. Like, yeah, I need the barest of amenities. He doesn't even have anything to drink, but warm beer mm-hmm. and yeah. two week old cake. Like mm. I, I, I would not do that. I, I, that was my, that was, a, that was a question I definitely wanted to ask. Um, what else is there to say about this movie? I did love when the title hits right at the beginning. Uh, the projectionist in me loved seeing it hover the way that oh, yeah. only film can do. Because yeah, you don't yeah. get that anymore. Right. But, um, <laughs> it was a nice nostalgia hit right there. Yeah. Um, all right. Are we ready for the super secret double feature? I can't wait. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Okay, well, this is going to be a little bit more vanilla of a of a uh, of a double feature. I I sat there and thought, you know, because last week we did Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. and Fresh would have been. A, and you you mentioned Fresh as a potential double feature for that. I don't. I could not think of very many other movies where somebody has a plan, an audacious plan like this. And of course, we're going to. You know, I'm going to say I can't think of anything, and then our chat's going to come up with 10 uh, right <laughs> off the bat. But I couldn't think of anybody who came up with an audacious plan where they sacrifice pieces and they mm. and they and they they go for it in places where you know you shouldn't probably go for it if you want to stay living and uh, <laughs> uh, you know all this mess. So I couldn't come up with another movie other than Jackie Brown. This is not going to be the that's not going to be the, the double feature, but uh because this these two would be perfect double features for sure mm-hmm. yeah uh this one i'm gonna go with searching for bobby fisher Ooh. um uh, Ooh. which is a full-on chess movie and it is it's a kid and and there there are some similarities there mm-hmm. are some it's 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 not yeah i mean you're talking about maybe the chess is a similarity and who he's learning chess from is kind of a similarity. So mm. I remember it was, uh, it was Max Waitkin, Waitskin is his name, I believe his name, or was it uh, Josh Waitskin was his name in okay. searching for, searching for Bobby Fisher. And, uh, they mentioned Bobby Fisher in this movie as well in, in fresh. Um, I believe he was still on his, uh, Fisher had disappeared in the seventies and he still, nobody had, he had not emerged and i think it was like the following year 95 he he Mm. he came back to uh to play i can't remember if it was kasparov or boris spassky or somebody i can't remember who it was but yeah it's um searching for bobby fisher is you know it's a kid who is really good at chess he's learning from uh first he's learning from his dad joe montagna and then then they they uh get him uh a, a real and like a like a real instructor like ben kingsley plays the the instructor in that but he's learning he learns like proper quote-unquote chess from ben kingsley and then he learns chess on the street from lawrence fishburne in this movie mm-hmm. and um and it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic because 
he's being pulled in both directions the entire time of how to play chess. How do you properly play chess? How do you, and there's a, there's this, you know, there's this champion kid who is waiting in the wings that, uh, that Josh is going to face, uh, you know, uh, by the end of it, I think they, they even have the obligatory, uh, match early on where that kid just waxes him early on. And then, and then later on they're in the championship and he's basically, he's basically combining all the knowledge he's gotten from Ben Kingsley and Lawrence Fishburne into this one, into this one thing. That movie is, excellent searching for bobby fisher yeah uh, steven steven zalian i believe wrote and directed it he had quite a year that year he wrote schindler's list as well um and uh uh that movie is excellent if you're if you're you know if you liked like if you're of an age where queen's gambit is your is your you know your chess bible or whatever uh go back and go back to almost 30 fucking years ago and uh get searching for find searching for bobby fisher it's really really good also Um, both both that movie and fresh shot the learning chess in the park scenes in washington square park which mm -hmm. you and i spent an entire morning in and i don't think anybody was playing chess at all no no there were a lot of chess boards set up yeah Uh, yeah like it's clearly a place that people do play chess mm -hmm. also as i just learned apparently in searching for bobby fisher ben kingsley is playing the guy that in fresh Sam Jackson says that's the grandmaster I'm playing on. The oh really? Right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot of tie between these two movies. So I love this choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I saw Searching for Bobby Fisher once, uh, right when it came out on video, and remember thinking it was fantastic. So I need. To oh, it's show. a great movie. I want to see it again. Um, yeah. Uh, is it is it Joan Allen that plays the mom? I think this? so. I think so. Uh, I think it's Joan Allen, and and uh, and uh, there's a point where yes, Montana is really pushing this kid. He's like, because Montana can see he's kind of like what we'd see in uh, in Stellan Skarsgård and Goodwill Hunting later, right? Where he's yes. pushing this kid. And he's like, he is better at this than I have ever been in my life, and uh, and he's 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 going a way too hard. And then Joan Allen eventually is like, look. If you push any harder, I'm going to divorce you right now. And <laughs> and Joan Allen is amazing in this. So, uh, yeah. I um. So there you go. Searching for Bobby Fisher is my uh, double feature. And uh, man, two great movies. You can't go wrong with no. those two at all. And I think we've announced this before, but next week on the 15th, our recording will be for The Batman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we see the Batman tomorrow. Ooh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm very mm-hmm. excited. Um, yeah, it'll be a very interesting dynamic because this will be the first time we don't know whether or not the movie is good. So yes. it could be a Warnatopia next Warnatopia. week. You never you know. Now and then you get one of those. Yeah, yeah. So. It's a risky take. Let's mm-hmm. uh, answer some questions. What do you yeah. think? Let's do it. Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. All right, let's start with the basic one. What are some of your favorite miniseries? Um, the ones that have uh, most recently come out uh, that I like, uh, that I loved, was uh, Chernobyl, which you know, uh, Chernobyl was was excellent. Um, and I still need to uh, listen to that podcast that the creator of that mm. show did. Uh, I, I watched. I listened to. 
I think one episode of it and uh, just didn't have time to get through the rest of it. But uh, uh, although, um, you know, there have been, you know, some fact checkers on that miniseries, it doesn't detract from how good uh, it is. I mean, yeah, there are some some things like they I don't think they actually knew for certain what happened at Chernobyl, but the, the, uh, the, the, uh, what they came up with by the season, uh, the, by the series finale was excellent. Like mm-hmm. I would totally believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it was, it was just well done, well acted. Well, this is a, it's a great miniseries. And then the other one, uh, speaking of Alex Garland devs is oh. another great one. Um, I talk about something that just pulls you into a world and just never lets go. That that's what Devs does. Devs is an amazing, amazing uh, miniseries. I have not so. gotten to that one yet. It's on the list. Uh, mm. JC Davis over here has stolen at least one of my answers with Band of Brothers. Um, mm. But um, I also wrote down Watchmen. But then I remember they have announced they're going to do another season of that. Um, so technically doesn't count as a mini-series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also stole your answer with Chernobyl. Yeah, um, yeah he did. Band of Brothers is an all-timer, um, but then I also, I think recently, um, Sharp Object has stayed with me. That's a really good one. As much as any, uh, you know, limited or mini-series that I've seen. Um, and a lot of that has to do with Amy Adams just being that gripping an actor yeah um but yeah sharp objects band of brothers chernobyl and devs all and good I, answers and i still need to see band of brothers like i said i have i have a whole blu-ray set of band of brothers that i could just pop in right now if i wanted to so mm-hmm. well someday you will and you will you will enjoy yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right <clears throat> this is kind of a fun question mm-hmm. um who is a director you don't think will ever make a superhero movie that you would still like to see make a superhero movie and why? I wouldn't say that Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director of all time, but every time somebody asks, who would you like to see do this genre? It's uh, always Tarantino because the, the reason, the reason for that being is because he's got this encyclopedic knowledge of all these different genres. He has sort of worked himself into this Tarantino, his own kind of genre almost like he's, he's taken a lot of this stuff from the sixties and seventies and he's made it his own, uh, type of movie and, and everything. But obviously Tarantino has some comic book knowledge. There was a lot of, uh, references to the silver surfer in his early days, especially in the reservoir dogs and, and in crimson tide, when he does that, uh, rewrite, he definitely wrote all that silver surfer stuff there. So I know he's got a big, huge comic book based knowledge, and I think he would make a great, a great one. The the only problem is, like another good answer to this, Edgar Wright. Uh, mm. If if he had to go into a Marvel or a, I wonder if Tarantino has more power than Kevin Feige. By the way, like if Tarantino were to make a Marvel movie. And Kevin Feige said, here's the keys to this one franchise or whatever. Does Tarantino have more power than Feige? Man, I don't know. Can he make it the way he wants? I mean, that would be interesting. I think Feige, I I bet there are three or four directors that could tell Feige, I'm doing it this way or fire me. Mm -hmm. That would still keep their jobs. Like Spielberg would be one of them. Um, But I don't know if. Because you know Tarantino is going to do some extreme stuff, and Marvel has a brand to protect. 
Um, that's why that's a curious question. That's why when they do these ones that I, I would say, quote, don't matter like Ant-Man, like do you, if you, if Ant-Man ended up being like not that big of a hit, they wouldn't have had to worry about putting him in all the other, uh, Avengers movies and everything. Right. It was just like, yeah, that's something that, you know, but because it was a big hit, they were able to stick him in there and, you know. Uh, that's why with this stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, and Ant Man and these type of movies, like you find one of those franchises that don't make your what you're you know you're trying to get to your overall with whatever you're trying to do. Like in that previous phase, they were trying to get to the Avengers movies. Um, you you give him a franchise like that and then let him run with it and then see if people like it. And yeah, yeah you might have a you might have a, a at least one or two stipulations like hey don't make this too bloody or or don't make this you know <laughs> have have a lot of swearing and n-word usage in it <laughs> as if you can avoid that then we're good and i think he would be i think he would probably be fine with that because i i think he realizes what what genre he's messing sure. in so sure so uh so yeah anyway I am going with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm, um, I would definitely want to see that. My reasoning is very specific. Uh, he would 100% make this a character study of a flawed person in power. Because I feel like that's 60-70% of his filmography. Um, like from the dressmaker to the oil baron to the Philip Seymour Hoffman character in The Master... It's mm -hmm. all very flawed people in power with sway over other people. Uh, and, and I would love to see that kind of examination of a superhero who's like, like a serious take on Hancock, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That just a, a, a guy with issues who also has powers. I don't know. Anyway, I think that would be a very interesting one. A couple of those ones from the comments that I wanted to point out. Uh, Wes Anderson was yep. suggested. Wes Anderson would be fun. I mean, I don't know if 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 it was infused with a Wes Anderson style, it would be a real quirky, you know, uh, type of comic book movie. But I would be, I'd be all about it for sure. Oh yeah, no I doubt think he about could it. bring uh, something really interesting. Jordan Peele. Jordan mentioned? Peele would be great, and uh, and uh, someone said, like the, when we first had Tarantino Spawn yeah. was uh, was uh, doing Spawn would be right up Tarantino's alley. I'm sure. I don't know if oh, he's yeah. if he's interested in that particular uh, you know character or anything, but he, he could certainly do what he wants with Spawn because Spawn is R rated as fuck. Um, but yeah, Jordan Peele would be amazing on this stuff for sure. I would love to see Jordan Peele. By McKay, this. I think you mean Chris McKay, uh, to do a Booster Gold movie. Um, this is the Lego Batman director. Mm -hmm. um, Booster mm -hmm. Gold is a DC character I, I have you know, very little familiarity with. Um, could be Adam McKay too. Werner Herzog. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, seriously, a Werner Herzog comic book movie would be fucking rad. Actually, it may not be rad, but it would definitely be interesting. It would be interesting. Oh, he says no, Adam McKay, not Chris McKay. Mm -hmm. So Adam McKay doing Booster Gold. Yeah. So it, there would be lots of um, biting satire. Um, yeah. Let's move on. Yep. 
Have you ever really, have you ever been really excited for someone to watch a particular movie only for them to not enjoy it and rain on your parade? Yeah, this has happened many times, unfortunately, um, where I'm like, oh, this is right up this person's alley. And then they just, after they watch it, they just, you know, they not only shit on the movie, but they seem to shit on your, on the very idea that you brought up the movie in the first place. (laughs) Um, I remember early on a friend of mine, uh, uh, I remember being, I loved Fargo when it came out and, mm. uh, and a friend of mine saw it and she was like, this was like a TV movie. I didn't like it. I'm like, okay, fuck. Um, and then, uh, but I also remember, um, going to see shattered glass with a friend oh, wow. and, uh, they, they hated it. And, oh, no. uh, and so I was like, I was like, man, I loved that movie. How, like <laughs> I loved it. How do you hate it? Um, but uh, yeah, this has happened many, many times. Uh, well, my wife has a friend. It's a boyfriend of one of her girlfriends who keeps trying to get her to watch Fight Club. And I'm always like, he doesn't know you at all. But the only way I learned these kinds of things was by making grand mistakes early in our relationship. <laughs> like showing her training day. And again, I... <laughs> I like... <laughs> Like, uh, like, I don't know what year this was that you showed training day to your wife, but man, hearing that right now, I'm like, there is no way. What were you thinking? I was thinking <laughs> Denzel is so great. I wasn't thinking about all the violence and the swearing and the scene at the card table. Um, yeah, her reaction to training day was such that um, I knew when Fight Club got brought up, that was a bad idea. But I also... I tried going in a different direction after training day and I showed her West side story, Mm -hmm. which I had not seen probably in 10, 15 years. So I had forgotten it's five hours long. Yeah. yeah. And it was just mostly crickets. It's just Mm. not her thing. And um, you learn somebody's taste over time, but sometimes even somebody, you know, really well, you're like, Hey, I really think you're going to love this movie. And then I'm like, what the F were you talking about? Mm-hmm. I hated that garbage. So oh, yeah. Over in the comments. Just can't tell. What? Over in the comments, JC said, I recommended cabin in the woods to a friend recently. She doesn't trust me on movie recommendations anymore. That's too bad. Cause cabin, in the, woods too is bad. Awesome. cabin in the woods is awesome. I remember though, I remember being at the, uh, Hollywood 27 when that movie came out and, there were people who did not who who were working there who didn't like it, and I think they they were expecting, uh, based on the trailer, they were expecting your typical everyday cliche cabin in the woods movie, and they didn't get it, and they were thought they thought all this other stuff on the outside of it was stupid. So, you know, you, you if if you go in with a certain expectation and it's not met. Uh, uh, then you have, I watched Swiss army man, which is the, about as fucked up as it gets with my, <laughs> with my wife. And afterwards she decided never to watch movies with me again. I don't blame her. Uh, no, this, it's just one of those, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those movies that's just insane from the get go. That mm-hmm. movie's just plain insane. Mm-hmm. So in the um, membrane. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's move on to another question. I think we have time for at least one more. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this was fun for me. Let me vent. Uh, name a franchise that needs to take a good long break and a standalone film that needs to be turned into a franchise. Okay, so Halloween needs to take a break, y'all. Mm, applause. 
Halloween should have been done a long time ago in the original series. And then maybe, uh, you know, if you came back, I don't know. There's some people who love that zombie version. I actually heard some people over the weekend tell me that they love the zombie version. And I'm like, you and I can't be friends, I don't think. But um, uh, I, I that should that needs to go. And they're going to have, I think it's called Halloween Ends in October which we'll see fuckers I mean this movie yeah, I, is I doubt it is yeah. um what's Halloween. weird to me is that they just keep going they must be making plenty of money because the the last two have not gotten good reviews or good word of mouth well the first one sort of did and it did do well hmm. the second one I remember seeing a lot of advance uh good word for it but once the movie came out i remember i I remember being kind of excited about watching that movie Hmm. and i I think i watched it on peacock or whatever but like i was i was like this movie's terrible why how are why are people liking this i don't Hmm. get it um and uh and and then it turns out oh most people don't like that movie (laughs) they don't like it as it turns out you get these like hype advanced hype stuff that goes on that these studios are so good about getting out these days uh where it makes it sound like this movie's great and then you finally watch it and you're like, eh. um so yeah halloween needs to take a break it not only needs to take a break it just needs to get retired um and then uh for franchises mr brooks which of course had uh, a great first movie Mm-hmm. and uh, was intended to be a series of movies but nobody watched it so there were no more mr brooks after that i'm still telling you i want a sequel you could make it today of his daughter because that was uh danielle Pennybaker, right mm-hmm. and like she's gonna follow in his footsteps you could easily do a, a sequel now and even cameo him if you wanted to yeah, I love that movie so much. That's a good mm-hmm. end. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to choose one that's already planning to end uh, soon, and that's Fast and Furious, um, because Vin Diesel publicly begged The Rock to come back for the final chapter, which I guess this 10th one will be, and The Rock publicly said no <laughs> <laughs> and said, I already told you no in private. Why would you do this publicly except to manipulate me? That relationship yeah. fascinates me. Oh, I know. I, I so want to know what started all of that. I, I, like, can we not wait the requisite 30 years that it's going to take for uh, somebody to A come out all. with? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, Vin Diesel took a shit in the trailer that <laughs> The yeah. Rock was staying in. Um, <laughs> I, I predict when they end, they will last all of five years before they bring it back with Vin playing a smaller role and they have a new crew that they do 10 more movies with. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I will hate them all. Uh, mm-hmm. I came up with three movies that I think deserve to be turned into franchises. The first one is Upgrade. Um with uh, not Tom Hardy. Um, and it was directed by Lee Winnell. And uh, I really, really enjoyed that. And I think there's ways to explore um, that universe further. Mm-hmm. The other one I wrote down was Dread, mm-hmm. um, previously mentioned. Uh, I know Carl Urban has tried a few times to drum up support for another one. Uh, it seems to be dead in the water. But that first one, was a pretty good springboard, and uh, I think they could have gone a bunch of different. Logan well, Marshall and now, Green. thank you, Patrick. Now, because uh, comic book movies are a little bit more prominent than they were when that that dread came out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with a little bit more backing, uh, I think that a sequel to that would do well. And everybody, it seems like that movie's built up quite a following since it came out. I think so. So, uh, I, my last one was Matt Damon's Ripley. Um, yeah, yeah, there yeah. There are plenty of Ripley books, and I mm-hmm. that movie has bored its way into my heart. So I would love to go back to another Matt Damon Ripley film right now, uh, and and maybe even do a third. Like a there's there's all kinds of Ripley stories out there. Anyway, I love um, all of those choices. By the way, those all should definitely. It's it's funny when we say when something should get a franchise, they're probably not just because the way they performed at the box office. Because yeah, if they should be and they performed, you knew you were going to get a franchise out of it. But exactly, none of these did. So from the comments, we got a lot of good suggestions. Uh, at least half of them seem to want the MCU to take a break. Mm. Uh, the other half are getting the pitchforks ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jurassic Park God End. I agree with that yep, with my yep. whole heart. That's probably um, the title uh, of another Jurassic Park movie, by the way. <laughs> God <laughs> End. Oh, here's a good suggestion for a franchise. Master Ooh, and Master and Commander, yeah. Again, several more books out there about this character that we could adapt. More Nice Guys, another one from Joseph. Yeah, the Nice Guys would be amazing. Yeah. Waterworld. I can't agree with you there, buddy. <laughs> and I, I love Waterworld like nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Fast and Furious documentary. Dread is planning on a series, I thought I heard last. Well, that would be mm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it says here, what is this? Chris, can chat name a single franchise with a female lead? I don't know if she's asking if I know one, but Bridget Jones is one. Ooh. Um it had three uh three different uh movies uh but uh i don't know if there are any other like <laughs> are there any other like is, are there like superhero ones or I mean, wonder woman would wonder be woman. uh but it's only had two movies or two standalone movies she's been in a bunch of others but um but uh yeah it's it is hard to i think that might end up changing though uh as we as we keep going further into this decade because there seems Mm. to be a movement towards that so Mm -hmm. um anyway uh yeah so that's gonna be uh that's gonna be all i guess today um uh love you guys out there uh on patreon listening to us uh live um and uh yeah we'll be looking forward to talking the batman next week all right all right see you guys bye everybody part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com Of course, somebody says somebody says Resident Evil right after we we got that's another that's, that, that was definitely a female led franchise. Yes, it was. Although uh, for like seventeen films. Yep. Like the only time TBS does not show Friends from ten a.m. to like four p.m. is when there's like a holiday and they run like movies or marathons of stuff. And today they're running I don't even know what this is. Sisters, the movie with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. What's going on there? tell you i will write a certainly worded email i probably won't i need chris to show up i'm recording this time we got to do outtake fodder
Sorry. No worries. We just have like 12 minutes of outtakes of me slowly worrying about you that you might not be okay. Well, that's what I, was, I started out by saying. Chris is not the kind of guy to be late. That's me. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it just got progressively more concerning when I slacked you and you didn't respond. I was, and... I was just sitting there watching YouTube shit. Did the cats unplug Jeremy's Wi-Fi again? Uh, <laughs> it's a final countdown. <laughs> shit.